Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm John McEnroe. I'm Bjorn Borg. This is Martina Navratilova. I'm Mats Wilander. This is Mary Carrillo. I'm Sandra Winka. I'm Leighton Hewitt. I'm Andy Murray. This is Lars Melly, and you're listening to The Tennis Podcast. Thank you, Lars. The second Lars that we know in the tennis world behind Lars Graf, a fellow listener. Lars Melly, thank you very much for uh, joining us here on the Tennis Podcast and introducing the show. Uh, he did so because he was one of our backers of the last year, and uh, we're hugely appreciative. We, in fact, we are hugely appreciative to everybody that's backed us throughout the last four years, and specifically this year, because... Have we got a drum roll? Do we do those? No. We've, uh, we've funded ourselves. Absolutely I was, was trying to do that with one hand, but it didn't work. <laughs> Thank you, folks. We have uh, funded ourselves uh, by hitting our target already, and we've still got six days to go. It uh, doesn't mean you, can, you have to stop. Uh, we, we will keep the uh, Kickstarter crowdfunding campaign going for another six days, which means you can still get a shout-out, you can still introduce a show, you can still enter the predictions competition and try unsuccessfully to win the uh, two trophies off me. Um, you can get a private podcast. You can get a private podcast. You can guest edit a podcast. Uh, but most importantly of all, of course, uh, you can just buy me two beers, Catherine Cheese and uh, Matt's new hot drinks um, obsession that he seems to have going on. Obsession might be too strong a word, but yes, liking. But anyway, that's all up to you. Uh, we, we, we can't thank you enough for all of your support, and it means that the Tennis Podcast will keep rolling in 2020, and we are going to be producing as many of these shows and as good quality a show as we possibly can do over the next 12 months. No specifications there about quality. Just as good as we're able. <laughs> yeah, hopefully they'll be all right, is, is basically what I'm saying. Uh, I'm back, and um, it's the Putney Exchange, as it was last week. Rumours of a tan were exaggerated, Matt. Yeah, I was, I was correct. Mm. It's nice here, isn't it? Except, you know, it's a bit cold. Uh, it's not like it was where I was. Oh, it's great. And where you are going to be. Yeah, well, yeah, I my head's all over the place. Uh, Melbourne in two days' time, that's where we're headed. Uh, I'm sure all the violins are out. Um, but uh, we're on our way, yeah, to the other side of the world because uh, the tennis is about to start. Um, and uh, the tennis has been going on... Oh, there's been a lot of it the last week, hasn't there? Let's start with Auckland, where Serena Williams has won a title for the first time in very nearly three years. And it feels to me like a really big deal. Does it feel to you like a really big deal? Uh, well, on the News at 10 last night uh, on BBC One, it was in the news section. Really? Of uh, last night's national wow. news, not even in the sports section. Um, so yes, it is a huge deal, um, and there are so many little subplots to it, like the fact that last time she played there, brackets and hated it. <laughs> um, she was pregnant with her her daughter and didn't know at the time. Um, there's the little video that emerged um, uh, last night um, of her um, 
long after the crowds um, had dispersed from the arena in Auckland. Um, a completely empty stadium, uh, and she's there with um, one of the members of her team doing cartwheels on the court, you know, taking videos of it, you know, as the sun's setting um, over the stadium, just really emphasising what it meant to her, the significance of it. And, and I think more than anything, in terms of what it means in the bigger picture, she's won a final. Mm. And for me, I think, you know, small event or not, or relatively small, that, for me, that's big. Yeah, I think there's both the kind of symbolic significance of the fact she was even back in Auckland. I never thought she would go back yeah, last time. Not sure she did. Last time she lost, she said, well, at least I can get out of these conditions. She described them as abhorrent. And she's, abhorrent? Yeah. yeah. And she's back winning the title in this kind of new phase of her life, which started in Auckland. And then there's kind of the actual significance of it, of the fact that she's now won a final. I, I wasn't necessarily convinced about the argument that she needed to win a tour-level final to win a Grand Slam final. Those, those, those pressures felt so different to me. And, you know, just because she's won a tour final, I don't automatically think she's going to win a Slam final. However, watching the moment she did it yesterday, the kind of relief and just the outpouring of all this kind of pent-up frustration when she actually won the match. I've now slightly changed my mind, and I think it was really significant. She needs that winning feeling back. It needs to become a habit again. She needs to kind of learn how to win again. This is someone who used to just win all the time. She needs to get that back. And actually, a comparison in another sport is, is Tiger Woods, how he won the Tour Championship at the end of one season in his comeback and then went and won the Masters the first kind of major of the next year and I think a lot of people in golf thought that his win was really significant the fact that he'd done it okay it was a reduced field a smaller tournament like like Serena's win in Auckland but you know she was having trouble winning finals and she had trouble at the start of that final against Jesse Pagula in Auckland she was a breakdown and she could have panicked she could have thought oh god this is happening again she came through it if she finds herself in a grandstand final again, at least she's got this new experience to draw upon. So I think it was really significant. I found myself watching quite a lot of Serena Williams over the last week because of jet lag. <laughs> <laughs> um, every time I seemed to wake up uh, thinking it was 8am uh, and it was 2am, um, she was on the court. Um, but she looked quite serene to me without wishing to pun her name it was the whole experience she seemed to be just all of all of the bits seemed to be in the right place with the way her strokes were being played you know there was there was no clunkiness mm. to her game she she might not be as quick as she used to be but there was she was never sort of reaching for the ball and and that kind of thing. You say that in a very routine, matter-of-fact way. You're as if you're you're certain she's not as quick as she used to be. How, how much for you has she lost? I don't. I don't know if I could put a, a percentage to it, but I just feel like when you're 38, you you are slower. And um, I'm sure. I just find it. But I'm just interested that you say that because I find it very difficult to judge just watching something I, unless I've got the side by side comparison and, and I think you need to go back and you need to watch. be able to go back and the thing watch is, it fresh she in used the memory. to she used to look on court like Wonder Woman that's what I always used to think she had a superhero like quality not just the way she used to hit the ball but the way she would bound around the court mm. she was incredibly fast and uh, agile and able to twist and turn direction um, I, I inter if you go back in the archives I, I've got a little interview with her I think back in about 2013 where I asked her whether she has any aches and pains now she's in her 30s and she said not at all um, You know, I, I still bounce out of bed which is great and I still think she looks incredibly supple for somebody of her age with the, the, the small amount of tennis that she's been playing over the last uh, few years but I think when you see her play certain other players these days who are, I mean, Andrescu is the obvious one to draw attention to, somebody who's 
similarly powerful and explosive and all the rest of it, I find Serena sometimes just seems a step late to the ball. And I think Halep in the Wimbledon final, with her exceptional movement, kind of exposed how yes. Serena had maybe lost a step. Um, I was struck, you used the adjective serene, and just kind of how happy she looked. And I, I yeah. did think yeah, that the, her playing doubles with Wozniacki is both significant from a kind of mental state point of view, but also her tennis. I mean, we, we talked at Wimbledon last year about how the doubles with Murray, the mixed, kind of helped her get a bit sharp in that tournament. Because in doubles, you know, it's not necessarily about uh, endurance-based movement. It's kind of explosive movements and reactions. And I think that might have helped her in, in Auckland just get get her sharpness back and she's obviously not going to play doubles in Australia but she can carry that into into Melbourne I think. I, I do feel that if she were to go to the Australian Open I know this this is impossible but if she went to the Australian Open and were playing best of five now I think she'd win the title without question mm. just because she would have time against everybody to mm. play and and whether whatever storm of form might come her way uh, there is still that danger that somebody gets hot against her and she doesn't recover in time. But, but as we said at the time of the US Open final, I felt like that could have gone differently if it was best of five. I feel like a lot of the big matches that Serena's lost recently could, I mean, we'll obviously never know, but would likely have been pretty different had they been played over best of five. Well, she has started so slowly yeah. in all of the last four slam finals. I think there's a stat that she's lost her opening service game or her second service game in all of them. Wow, and she she isn't she's getting behind and having to fight back, and you know she's she's playing opponents who are playing really well, so it's always going to be difficult. Uh, but it's interesting you mentioned the U.S. Open final. Obviously, mm. a big a story that's happened this week is Andrescu is out of the Australian Open, gutting. which is both completely gutting, but also I think really significant when we're talking about Serena. Yeah, I, I think it's almost as significant as this title win. Agreed. Yeah. Because of all the players, even if Serena's playing well, I think Andrescu is possibly capable of beating her, even if Serena's yep. on. Yeah, I agree. And also, I think, just kind of mathematically, her being out pushes Serena up into a top eight seeding, yep. which can be significant. So kind of her being out of the way for Serena and helping her draw... Yeah, and, and psychologically as well, I think Serena wants to feel like this is in my hands. If I play my best, yeah, I've got this. You know, but if I play my best, thing is is big, especially in finals, obviously. But I I, I think she she would I'm sure never admit it publicly, might not even admit it to herself. But deep down, she probably knows and thinks what you just said, David. That even at her best, Andreescu's probably probably got her on a good day because she's almost like I mean I don't want to say she's Mark to Serena because Andrescu may never win anything else uh, hopefully the fitness issues will be behind her but she's the closest thing mm. that I've come across in, in a player I mean I think Osaka has got a little bit of that uh, that X factor as well but a completely different character mm. it's yeah it's, it's, it's the total conviction and Lack of self-consciousness about yeah. uh, Andrescu. Where's Simon that... Briggs when you need him? <laughs> <laughs> Check me out. He's swanning around Australia is where Simon yeah, Briggs is. He is. Uh, He's been there for months already. Did, I mean, did you see that video, by the way, that Wimbledon put out? Oh, did amazing. Did you mention that last week? I don't think we did. I don't know whether we did. Um, where after struggling to keep up with all the hashtag content. <laughs> she'd played her first match in Auckland, and, it, and Wimbledon it was a very good video. They put out a video uh, c celebrating the first match of Serena Williams as a 38-year-old, uh, although her 2010 self might not have been that impressed with it, because in a 2010 clip at Wimbledon, uh, she is shown to say, if I'm on court at 38, I want you to personally escort me off it. <laughs> there's no way I need to be out here at 38. That's, there's no one learnt from Steve Redgrave. <laughs> Atlanta, nine, Atlanta 96, wasn't it? Versus 2000 Sydney, and you have my yeah, permission to shoot he, me yeah, if, you, if you see me in another in, boat. In wow. the rowing boat... That's not what they're called, is it? <laughs> <laughs> in the 
Oculus Fours. Yeah, that's the event. <laughs> but would you? It's a boat, boat? isn't it? Is boat? it a boat? Yeah, we use boat on the tennis podcast. Yeah, in in the boat. <laughs> He's there, Rowan you know, in a state of that. utter exhaustion. This has not gone where I thought. This it is for listeners. Go. What under the age of probably twenty-five. <laughs> Probably not aware of that reference. Um, yeah, he's just won his gold medal in the Coxless Fours at Atlanta 96. I think that was the only gold medal that Team GB won in Atlanta 96. Um, anyway, and he says, if you ever see me in a boat again, you've got my permission to shoot me. And then he won gold, and then he won gold four, four years, years later. later. Mm. Um, and this is, this is ten years later. So, yeah. Serena... I've been doing my research here, folks. I think, didn't Steve Redgrave carry on until 2004 as well? Mm, don't know. Yeah, I think he did. Yeah. Uh, so Seren- eight years. So Serena, at that point in 2010 at Wimbledon, had, depending on when she gave that quote, had either won 12 or 13 slams at that point, aged 28. Wow. So, A pitiful number. <laughs> <laughs> so she's, she's won basically another... Nine or ten. I think she's won over ten in her thirties. Right. Um, so, really, yeah. I mean, one assumes that that is just that underlines the point that it's history and history alone, really, that is why she's still out here doing this. Of course, it is. And and it's and it comes from. But it. But within it, it isn't from Federer, is it? No, yeah, you're right. That was, that was too um, was too flippant of me there. You're right. Although I mean, of course, it is with... Yeah. Although Federer it, already has the men's record in terms mm, of slams. Um, for now. For now. That's not to say that I don't think Serena Williams enjoys tennis. I think she loves competing. I don't think she loves winning. She mm. loves being a champion and all that. But, I mean, I think she would have been completely content to call it a day had she had the record by a sufficient number I think she'd have probably got bored by being the sole yeah. record holder it is a very very different psychology the, the position that she is in and has been in for the last decade yeah. to the one of Federer and also you know, Serena is up against an historic number You know, we know that 24 is the number to beat in terms of slams Federer doesn't really know what mm. number he's safe on. Absolutely. If you like. Um, he's not constantly being asked about a number. Yeah. In the way like, Serena is. It's a moving picture in the yeah. men's game. Is his clubhouse score enough? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Ooh, um, what an analogy. So many <laughs> cross sporting <laughs> references today, folks. Um, so, when's the draw? Uh, when we're in the air. Th- Thursday, is it? Thursday night. Oh. In. Melbourne, I think we will pretty much land, and it will just—it will have just come out. David and I landed about eleven p.m. You can do internet on, I've had to pay, on a plane now, can't you? I've had you? to pay a hundred dollars to my Airbnb people because I get in at an ungodly hour. <laughs> <laughs> what for half an well, hour? It's worse for me than it is for you. Blimey, that's poor. Yeah, I think so. Well, I'm not going to name him Shane, but. <laughs> And it's down to you, our Kickstarter backers, <laughs> yeah, that we're able much. to do this. Uh, um, just, I think, again, I'm conscious of trying not to get too swept up by everything Serena-related, but I think the Australian Open is Serena's best chance outside of Wimbledon. I think I think it's a better chance for her than the US Open to win, yes, to win a slam agree, because... Yeah. There's so much added pressure and interest at the US Open and stress and history that she's fighting there. I think it's a better chance than Wimbledon. You think it's an even better chance mm, than Wimbledon? I think so too. Because I think the the movement is not as challenging okay. um, for her in the, the age she's in at right now. I, kn- I know that the surface might help the serve and all that, and the serve... That's kind of what I was the thinking. The serve was functioning yeah. so well in mm. Auckland, by the way. I, 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 it just looked to have a lovely rhythm to mm. it, and she was getting 69% of them in. These are good numbers, really. But it's the last place she won a slam. Yeah. Got the good memories. She destroyed Sharapova in that final there, didn't she, as well? Um, she doesn't have Andrescu to face. Barty might 
be somebody she comes across, but we don't know how the I situation might affect the party. We're swept up, Matt. Yeah, we are, aren't we? And, and even last year, <laughs> yeah. even last year, it was a bit of a freak exit with her when she rolled her ankle. Yeah, it was weird wasn't against Pliskovic. Like she looked yeah. really good in that tournament yeah. before then. Pliskovic is going to be out in the first round, though. So why? Well, well yeah, we're, we're not falling wa- into that trap she's again. Won a- warm-up event and is looking great I mean, therefore she, she will lose first arguably, round she, arguably she was even more impressive than Williams this week because yep. of the players she had to beat. Which makes me more sure she <laughs> is not winning the title. She won Brisbane she's now coached by Danny Valvadu and the person who was giving the on-court coaching was Olga Savchuk who delivered one of the most entertainingly deadpan uh, on-court coaching um, lectures that I've heard this after Pliskova had won the first set <laughs> against Madison Keys in the final August Havchuk comes out kneels next to her and she goes you are just total flat right now <laughs> um, you are kaput uh, she was winning she goes there's a re- it's not a hype she goes, that's not a hype man is it she goes that's the reason you feel like shit <laughs> And uh, and Pliska was just like it's like my internal monologue. <laughs> Pliska was just nodding her head, and just because that's how she would deliver an on-court coaching <laughs> chat as well. I'm quite sure of it. Just straight to the point, no airs and graces, and it was great. But I mean, the people Pliska beat. She she beat Osaka with Osaka playing really really well. Yeah, didn't she? That was the one, wasn't it? I think the best tennis I saw all week was was from Brisbane, like. You had six of the top ten there, and you know just players you expect to do well did well. Like a lot of people did well at last year's Australian Open, Kvitova, Osaka, Pliskova. They were all did well in Brisbane, and they all I think they all made a statement that their tennis is looking really sharp at the start of the season. And for Pliskova to beat Osaka, playing as as well as Osaka was, was seriously impressive. Um, but. There's something about Brisbane which really suits Pliskova. Like, there's no wind. It's kind of covered. There's no sun. She's it's completely uninhibited. She's allowed to play her tennis. And purely her tennis, you probably would say, is yeah. pretty much the best that there is when she's on because of her serve and the way she hits the ball so cleanly. But any, anything... Me, did to, you say her, her tennis was the best there is when she's on? When she's, when she's completely allowed to play, I don't think she reacts well to... Um, extraneous factors exactly yeah. and whereas Andrescu and Serena would because I've not no. been my parents have been and I remember them remember them uh, coming back it was while they were living out there and I was visiting anyway I think my dad took himself off there on his own on his motorbike he had a motorbike. What a hero. So he, has a, he has a boat, folks. <laughs> and he, he has a motorbike. No, people are going to stop giving us money for the Kickstarter if they think my dad owns his own yacht. <laughs> he does not have a boat. Well, actually, he built himself a um, a a little. He builds boat. his own boats, built, folks. Built his own boat, like next, a rowing boat with an outboard. Next motor. podcast feature will be <laughs> named it after our dog. Are you are you good enough company to go on the back um, of the motorbike? But he does not own a yacht of any description. Okay, right. Um, but anyway, they. I remember my parents. Their immediate feedback was, "It just feels like an indoor event." Right, Brisbane because they have a canopy over the, the canopy, top. Yeah. yeah, it basically feels indoor. Yeah, yeah. I, I've commentated on it a load of times from afar, but what is it about? Pliskova that wins all of these tournaments beforehand. I mean, does she lack a chip yeah. in her in her makeup that stops her from peaking? Because I I, I think there are certain players f- throughout the time that I've been watching tennis that I almost feel like they treat every week the same. And I, and I always cringe when a player loses in a slam and goes, well. There's always the, next the, week. the good thing about tennis is there's always next week. Yeah. No, there isn't. No, absolutely, I agree. Um, I don't know whether Pliskova is one of those. I don't know her well enough to know. Um, but she's she, look, she she takes great pride in these titles, she, and, and so she should. But still, I if I'm doing her a disservice here, I'm looking at you, Matt, for the memory bank here. I feel like she, when she lost first round of the French. Having won Rome, I feel like she might have said something along those lines. Um, 
certainly in my head anyway mm. I mean possibly I th- unjustly yes she is for me one of those players you I just suppose described. it's a defence mechanism to some degree isn't it to to, to trot a line out like that anyway um, but it, it always I, I'm underwhelmed by that and I don't know whether this is a kind of lazy take to have but you mentioned the on-court coaching that that she had I still feel like she is potentially a little too reliant on that in tour events now I know we've seen Halep certainly overcome that reliance and transfer it to a slam and win two of them where she's not able to have that input but I don't know Pliskova is very you never see her do what Andrescu did and kind of make a commitment to not having on-court coaching at a tournament and she then goes into a slam and she can't have it I don't know it just feels like that has got to be a little bit of a factor in this for me um I wonder whether, actually, I mean, I only saw that one coaching visit. I didn't see that much of Brisbane. I wonder whether Danny Valverde's view, first time coaching a female player, maybe maybe he may have that view mm. um, a little more. We'll, we'll see. Um, what happened to Ash Barty? She what lost in straight sets. Yeah, six, four, so, seven, six. So very in-form Jennifer Brady, who had come through qualifying, took out Sharapova. Is that that's not a thing? That's anymore, not really though. a thing, though, isn't it? Um, and then, yeah, just I didn't see much of the match against uh, Ash Barty, so I can't comment too much on how Ash Barty was looking. But it's a it's a sort of loss Barty just hasn't been having for ages, and the fact that it's happened in her first. And a big tournament back in Australia is a little bit of a concern. Is she playing Adelaide this week? Or is that it for her preparation? I don't think that's it. She is, yeah. I think unless she's taken a wild card, which she, she did get to the about. she did get to the doubles final, so yeah. she got matches. Um but it's not the same, is it? No. W- a worry. Oh, hold on. She is playing is in she? Adelaide, yes. Okay. And she's the top seed, and she's playing first round against Anastasia Pavlichenkova, who Oof. has thrashed Annette Kontaveit of Estonia in the first round. Uh, That's it, a good win It's a really good draw in Adelaide. Mm, there's Halep, there's uh, Sabalenka, Bencic, Kenin. Crikey, it's packed. Um, so, and yeah, this is... Interesting. Halep didn't play last week, did she? No. So this is her only... Uh, her only warm-up event. It's, it's a very interesting week, this one, because, of course, Djokovic is playing. No, he's pulled out. Has he's he? pulled out. He, yeah. He oh, I found it so interesting that he was ever <laughs> planning to play. Did, I, I didn't quite work out whether whether he, he signed up for the the rally for relief uh, of the yes, bushfires, that. whether that came before he pulled out of Adelaide or not. But I, I think it was after. Yeah, OK. Um, if... Have we have we talked about that? I don't think we have. That's on Wednesday, isn't it? Yes. Uh, the rally for relief, which is to raise money for those affected by the bushfires, which is is fantastic to see Tennis Australia putting up this event with Djokovic and Serena Williams and Roger Federer, Rafael Nadal, all the biggest names in the sport, all going to try to raise as much money as they can. I know the ATP uh, gave a, a huge check of seven hundred and fifty thousand um, dollars to the cause a couple of days ago as well. Um, so we are I know we're talking about tennis and we're we're getting swept up in in the sport because we are a, a tennis podcast but we are also very mindful of, of what's going on out there at the moment and um, well we're thinking of everybody that is affected by it and we will bring you a flavor of what we experience when we're out there as well um, I mean the the you, you two talked about it last week and I thought put it very well you, you, you're caught between the sort of irrelevance of sport in, in context of, of a disaster like that but at the same time of thank goodness for sport mm. um, and, uh, and yeah I mean uh, ultimately thank goodness for it I really don't um, I really don't buy the the irrelevance of sport thing in the face of I, I, I've, I've never been comfortable with that sort of reflex of everyone to say, oh, this frivolous stuff isn't relevant. No, it brings a lot of people a lot of pleasure, and that's just as valid as, as it makes it even more important in the face of horrible things mm. to and particularly to when cling you cling to the things that bring you pleasure. It's perfectly fine to get pleasure 
from sport and it's also from anything an opportunity as the the players and the tournament are showing that they can actually make a difference yeah. mm. which is which is great and and we should probably say serena donated all her mm. brisbane prize money uh, to the to the relief efforts and the atp also announced i think it was a 725,000 yeah. australian dollars going to the, the wildlife funds yep um, very good very good um other Results on the WTA Tour. Shenzhen, Ekaterina Alexandrova beat Elena Rybakina to win the title there. Hits the ball very, very hard, Alexandrova. Sure does. Sure does. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello Tennis Podcast listeners, David here. Now you might know that I love a bit of cooking, and I think I'm quite good at it. But if I'm honest, even I get fed up trying to work out what to do every night. That's where Home Chef comes in. Being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times, well that's pretty cool. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs, so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering tennis podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. So that's the WTA. What about the ATP? Cup. The ATP Cup. Uh, won by Serbia. And, uh, I mean, you, you both discussed it in depth last week as an event, so I'm not going to go re- over all the old ground of that. Um, what about week two of it? What about what we've seen over the last week? Um, first takeaway is it was a really big deal to that Serbian team, wasn't it, to win this? I think particularly because of what happened at the Davis Cup. It's It's almost like another kind of angle to it all because I, I I still find the multitude of team events deeply unsatisfactory I, I'm, I it doesn't work for me, I want to see all of it streamlined and packaged into one brilliant one but that one little narrative there for, from a Serbian perspective that was a bigger win for them than if Spain had won that won that ATP Cup Yes, <coughs> but only because of what had previously <coughs> happened in the Davis Cup. Yeah. So. But also, and also because the Serbian following in that stadium yes, throughout the true. week was so it was enormous. mind-blowing. Yeah. Really mind-blowing. I mean, you had, you had Nenad Zimanić giving feedback to Mohamed Leoni <laughs> during the Djokovic-Nadal match about how Leoni should be marshalling <laughs> <laughs> the Serbian support the Serbian fans he said give up trying to speak in Serbian mate just uh, you're in <laughs> Australia just speak English <laughs> it was really extraordinary how many Serbians like not because there were loads in Brisbane and also loads in Sydney like mm. the sort of Serbian communities in Australia are clearly huge well um, they're, they're, they're big but they're also incredibly passionate yeah. about mm. their own sports people there, there is just an enormous 
yeah. pride in their sports people. They live through their sports people. Um, yeah, and, which is wonderful. And, I, and I think the thing is, I, I watched this a lot over the over the court. I watched pretty much all of Serbia's matches, and um, it was just such an interesting dynamic to see Djokovic mm. playing in front of a completely partisan crowd on his side, and he being the man, the hero, uh, and not having to put up with some of the stuff that he has to put up with at times, and how much he just embraced it. Yeah, he loved it. He, he? loved it. And also, I mean, he did get... I felt he got pretty tight against Shapovalov at times, who played really, really well in that match they played in the semis, was it? Uh, quarters. Quarters. It was Russia in the semis yes, against Medvedev. Russia in the semis. Um, but he handled it. And, um, yeah, I, I just found his body language, it was probably all I expected it to be. He was just, he just loved it. It's, it's what he's been waiting for. He seems to have this ability to use the crowd however he finds it. <coughs> you know, we've talked so much about how when it's against him, he doesn't like it, but so often he's been able to use it to make himself play better. And when it's with him, he's able to use it to make himself play better as well. It's... I think, I think if the ATP Cup has done anything for kind of how I view these players, I don't think it's changed a massive amount, but it has made me, you know, more convinced by Djokovic, I think, than I was. You know, back end of last season, there were maybe a few mm. concerns about Djokovic's level, you know, the way he kind of faded quite badly at the ATP Finals, for example, but he is looking so good I mean who if he, if he plays like that yeah. no one's beating he's, him in Melbourne he's the business isn't he we, I mean to the extent that we were debating and it was a it was a given that unless something mad happens in the next week we're all picking him as our favourites to the Australian Open we're now we were debating would you pick the field mm. or Djokovic hold on a minute have I said this come on David who, who, who's, who else? Who who, else are you who's not the favourite? No, who's the favourite? It's well, not. No, he's the favourite. Yeah. But yeah. am I picking him? Isn't that's another matter? You, if Ag- I had agreed. to ask you now, who's winning the Australian Open? I haven't decided yet. <laughs> I'm asking you now, who's winning the Australian Open? You're. I'm not convinced it's Djokovic. Well, p- name me another individual. That's the thing. I'm saying there's a debate to be had. I think about Djokovic versus well, the field. Look. But the, this, name me another individual is, that's more is, likely to win it than Djokovic. Well, right there isn't now. there isn't no. one that's more likely to, and this is counterintuitive, but it almost feels like things are going too perfectly to me. I think that he has had such a high just now. I don't know if that helps. I think that is going to be the interesting because we've never had this before. Yeah, yeah, the exactly. only time you've had this before is when he's won the French Open and gone into Wimbledon. It's the only comparable thing. No, but it's not the, the same. Open is not the no, same as I know it's ATP not the Cup. same. But look at him. For him, this particular moment was a big deal. It was a bigger deal for him than it would have been for Nadal if he'd have won it. But I th- yes, but it I think it's high. more of an experiential big deal than it is an, achie- an achievement big deal. I, I think it's... A, it, it's but he's got, he's got the, to recalibrate moment, now. It, it was huge and he's loved it. There have obviously been big celebrations in the crowd and all of that. But like we're saying, we've said with Labour Cup, in two years' time, no one is describing Novak Djokovic as an ATP Cup winner. I'm sorry, but they're not. No, Agreed. I know, but, but yeah. I've, I just... I mean, this, is, this was a big deal to him personally. That's what I'm talking about. And he, mm, I just think it's different. He he will now have to recalibrate and go into the Australian Open in a frame of mind with a different past to any of the other Australian Open titles that he's won. I, I do where he's just built it, up slowly. I do to that. find it interesting that he is. He's obviously had to make significant adjustments to how he'd intended to prepare for this Australian Open because to peak. He, how, when, because when he had you intended pick? to play Adelaide. That's what he had planned for. And he intended to play Adelaide knowing that he... Because um, ATP Cups around Robin, even if they hadn't won it, he knew he was going to get a good number of matches. And yet he still wanted to play Adelaide. Um, so I find that quite interesting. 
I just find the whole psychology of yeah. him thinking he was going to play Adelaide I, I, interesting. I, I agree about that. I, I wonder. I wonder what what was going on in his mm. mind. I, we, we must ask him about that. Because there was the that one comments. bizarre mm. year where he played Eastbourne, wasn't yes. there? Yes. Um, but I think he was struggling the at the final. time. No, wasn't he? he won. He won. He won Eastbourne. Eastbourne. Yeah. Um, but that was where he'd lost early uh, at Queens. No, he no, he didn't play Queens. He, he, that was when he got beaten six love in the third set by team at the French. Yes, in like the quarters or something. And, then and he just the, looked like a. Yeah, that was nothing of him left. He took a late wild card, didn't he, to Eastbourne? Yeah. I, I don't know. I just yeah. this is a new situation that these players find themselves in, and I think it's it's so tempting to just think. Nobody will compete with him when he's playing like that. And I, I and, don't think. And I, I don't think that. By the I, way, I genuinely I think there are players that can compete. Well, I, with him. see, I like think Medvedev it, and Shapovalov both competed with him. No, closely but I, this well, week. I think if he plays like he did in the final against Nadal uh, in the ATP Cup, and if he played even more so like he did in the final last year, I do think he wins the title. Yeah. He is when he's playing like that. He's the best player in the Australian Open, probably in the Australian Open's history on the men's side. But he's peaked for the ATP Cup final, and now he's got to try and peak again. So, you, so I'm asking you now, David, who are you picking to win the Australian Open? Well, I, don't, I haven't decided that yet. But I'm, but I'm not, not picking Novak what I'm Djokovic. Now, I'm not picking now, Novak Djokovic. Pick right? I'm picking the field. That's not the question. <laughs> that was my original question, I d- and I then you interrupted and said, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! He's 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 not the individual that I'm picking. He's not." Oh. <laughs> well, this is pick, going well. You have to pick an individual now. Stage two of the debate is Djokovic versus the field. Stage one is to establish, when you've stopped being an annoying contrarian, that Novak Djokovic is the individual pick at Med- the moment. Medvedev. You're picking Andre Medvedev right now. Andre? To Australian- yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> 20 years on, he's going to come back. <laughs> You're picking Daniil Medvedev. Oh God! Well, might, oh, what you've done to all me. we've got is the metronomic. What is yeah. it? The metronomic. The memories. The memories and the, and the metronomic, metronomic winning, winning of titles. Oh, and the Australian Open title. I'll, I'll are you t- being a contrarian, or are you a bit? Daniel but, but I'm right not. Now? No, I'm waiting. I, I no, ha- the question is now, David. Well, for the purposes of debate, which is what we do on this podcast. <laughs> I'm not stop picking being Novak annoying. Djokovic. <laughs> I'm asking you to pick an individual right now. Daniel Medvedev. Okay, done. He's totally being a contrarian. It's, I actually I think, I actually think Daniil Medvedev is the most likely to beat Djokovic. Agreed. But I don't think he's the second most likely to win the title. Oddly. Yes, I think I agree with that as well. But I think Medvedev came... Even though Shapovalov took Djokovic to... I think it was a third-set tiebreak, wasn't it? I think Medvedev caused Djokovic the most problems matchup wise mental wise Medvedev Djokovic is a match I want to see yes, in Melbourne. Who, who are the other players do you feel that could beat Djokovic unless I, I, I'm, I'm not talking about if Djokovic is injured or anything right. like that or if he's suddenly completely lost his form but if he's plays at a, an 8 out of 10 level yeah. who can still beat him team sits a pass Federer I would put Federer in um I still think on one amazing day Vavrinku can do it. I, 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 I mean, I know Djokovic was injured in, in New York. but When I said Federer, neither one of you were really with me on that. Oh, we've, got n- we've got no evidence in the past, yeah. what, seven years that he can beat Djokovic over five sets. It came very close at Wimbledon, but he didn't do it. Nadal? Again, no. on a hard court, no. that match-up is no, so bad if, for if, Nadal. If, if Nadal was fresh if Nadal was fresh I would say yes I think any hard court he's not won a set against no. Djokovic on a hard court since 2013 the way Nadal was no. playing at the end of last year I would have gone for it if they'd have played yeah. each other at the Davis yeah. Cup I'd have gone for Nadal yeah but yeah, would but you have gone for Nadal because of the fact it was in Spain yeah. there was something extra for Nadal well in he Melbourne. was just playing out of his mind as well wasn't he and I think I think that's the thing for me, going back to the ATP Cup, the way I feel about it is that the ATP Cup was not career-defining for Djokovic. 
in the way that winning the Davis Cup was at the end of last season was yeah. for Nadal. No. Um, no, no, well, no I, I, I definitely agree with that. I just think that it still... It, Djokovic kind of made it into his Davis Cup because he because well that's the best he could do isn't it I mean he couldn't win the Davis Cup this year um, maybe he will at the end of the year but um, inter- interesting what you were saying about peaking for the ATP Cup bringing Federer into the conversation I mean he's not had any tennis so he's obviously going to be completely peaking for the Australian Open does that does that do you think he is an advantage then compared to the field the fact that he's rested or no. the fact that he's not played is is a problem I would, for for his supporters' sake, I would hope he gets a, a tame draw, mm. mm-hmm. because he, you know, he needs to play his way in a bit. Kevin Anderson in round one is the kind of, you know, Kevin Anderson's unseeded Eesh. and he looked good at the ATP Cup. That's the sort of that would be a nightmare. I mean, he, unseeded Kevin Anderson is everyone's worst nightmare. Admittedly, Federer has enough racket skill that if he happens to feel good on any given day, I mean, he can play tennis that you only dream about look back on that draw he had in 2017 you know Noah Rubin I think in round one and he was scratchy in that first round really scratchy Jürgen Meltzer and then suddenly Thomas Burdick and it 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 happened but if he had had Thomas Burdick any earlier than that yeah. Could have been an entirely different how, state of affairs. How, how knackered did Nadal look? I, I, I've watched well, he has that. An the look on his face, he looked so drawn. Week and one, and he looks yeah. like that. When, when he didn't play the doubles, that was, that was a moment where I feel that you have to just acknowledge the status of the competition. Yep. I think it was a really good. It was really a good tournament overall. It was well run. Um, it was well presented as we always thought it would be. It's not what it was being... There was still too much of this, like you get at Labour Cup, making out that it's the most important thing ever and that it's um, that there's nothing wrong with it at all. Well, you know, the, we know that there's a situation here that just doesn't make any sense. So I went around my mum and dad's house last night and my mum said to me, what's the point of this one they're playing at the moment? <laughs> Haven't they just had this? She said to me. Now, she's, I mean, it's quite difficult to answer that, isn't she, it? It's she likes sort of, tennis. Yeah. She watches it. She listens to us. Um, but she doesn't make any sense to her. Um, and, and so this, these are problems. But look, there were lots of good things about it as well. I, de- I, I definitely think it was, it was more int- entertaining than the other kind of typical warm-up tournaments that you that you get I, I thought overall and we got some amazing memories uh, of, of matches you think of Dan Evans against Diminor and uh, that doubles the British team played uh, which they lost and yeah, Jamie Murray has some has a v- one in particular very bad memory from yeah. that match but I mean Nadal basically he would not have pulled out if that had been the Davis Cup final. Obviously, Madrid elevates things because it's his home country. Um, but he also wouldn't have done that, I don't think, had the Australian Open not been just around the corner. He, he prioritised. You have to prioritise. And this is the problem with so many of these things. Where are your priorities? Um, so that's one side. But I would worry for Nadal being able to last the course. And, I, and I've said that before about him and been proved wrong because he's the most extraordinary athlete and competitor I think I've ever seen but goodness me he needs his canister recharging sharpish yes yes it's a bad time of year to to require some canister (laughs) recharging I mean maybe he's going to have to approach this season like Federer has talked about before as in the post Australian Open period being his off season oh no Folks, uh, d- d- this this is not Catherine getting a phone call. This is telling us that Catherine needs to take off her eye patch, which she started wearing, uh, and attend to her her, her infected eye, <laughs> which uh, requires hourly treatment at the moment. Uh, so Matt and I will carry Including on talking. Including through the night. Including through the night. So uh, yes, we have to feel very very sorry for it's Catherine. It's an actual nightmare. Yes, it is. Um, but fortunately, the schedule is that it will all be sorted by the time we get to the Australian Open. Um, so, uh, I've got a countdown clock on my phone that counts yes. down the hours. It's like 
24. Yeah. It's like I'm Jack, the Jack Bauer well, of, of eye disease. And if anyone's ever seen Lost, where they, where they <laughs> yeah. have to push a button every hour to survive. Yep. Oh dear, that's like that. a bit stressful. Yeah, well, this is, the, this is real life. I haven't Lost. seen that before. In a way. By the way, how good was Roberto Bautista at Did he Was he beat, beaten at all by anybody? No, he went. He went six six wins, zero losses in his singles. I mean, the slight caveat to that, and a, a problem with the ATP Cup, is that four of those matches were against players ranked outside the top hundred. I mean, and three of those were, you know, like a lot outside the top hundred. Um, and how how good is that preparation for? Bautista Agu and also he won you know you, you get points based on the calibre of opponent that you face at the HP Cup he, he got four wins in the first four matches and only, uh, only earned 85 points you know that's mm. whereas that's Dan nothing. Evans has earned what 150 grand and moved up 10 ranking spots he, mm. he's at a career a, a career high 33 in the world yeah. so well done Dan Evans so mm. he has done well from the HP Cup I was quite sold on it by the end of the week experientially I really I got a lot of enjoyment from watching it pound for pound there were more individual matches that I was pumped about watching probably on aggregate than there would have been from from a normal tour event Um, I wasn't that sold on the meaning of it Um, and I as previously discussed I resent having the meaning of it rammed down my throat and I also just don't think that's necessary because mm. it's a it's a cool thing enjoy it for what it is you know see um, Labour Cup arguments ad infinitum um, I'm, I'm happy I, I, I still think absolute no brainer make it a make it a combined event I know Tennis Australia have have announced that they intend to do a WTA Cup next year I mean still seems bonkers to me <laughs> still feel like guys you you had the Hotman Cup anyway um, but I was quite sold on it as an experience um, and yeah lots of individual matches that I loved enjoyed was pumped about I did find myself though after watching Nadal v Djokovic going into the doubles as soon as Nadal pulled out of that doubles I found my interest level plummeting because I was no longer hugely interested in the in the doubles matchup in itself. Nadal versus Djokovic in doubles, I'm really interested in. Um, but just a sort of doubles match that Djokovic is in, not that interested in as a matchup. And I wasn't. I I didn't think the stakes were that high. I wasn't interested that much in the outcome. I know all those scenes of jubilation. I'm not saying it doesn't mean anything to the Serbian team. I suspect to, to Viktor Trojic it does mean an awful lot. And and as I say, experientially, look, I do like think Djokovic is on a massive high. But offer him 10 ATP Cups or one Davis Cup and you're taking the Davis Cup. Honestly, no. I really, unless something I'm changes not. about that competition... I really Do you know don't what? think anyone's <laughs> describing Novak Djokovic as an ATP Cup winner in 10 no, years. Title-wise, I, I agree with you. I don't. I didn't really feel like that was the point, though. The point was... But he people was, are trying to tell us that's the no, point. No, I, I understand that, but I think the point to him, when you say offer him 10 to 1, I know that's an exaggeration, but my point would be the meaning to him was to be in front of a stadium full of adoring fans from or with Serbian heritage who all felt what he felt and were all in it for the same cause, whether, whether or not it's a kind of... Absolutely, you but know, you'd get that regardless of, of trying to confer meaning on the actual title. You but, would, but, you, but without the title, you wouldn't have those scenes. You would. I mean, if it were the Hotman Cup, I, I think... We've never seen Djokovic in Hotman yeah, Cup, well, we have don't we? Know that, do we? I think I think the problem is when you've got so many team events, like even even two team events, like we've got Davis Cup and ATP Cup, the meaning becomes so individual. It's based on your experience at that tournament rather mm. than o- the overall meaning being kind of the same for everyone. You know, the ATP Cup yeah. might end up meaning more for Serbia than the Davis Cup because they won it people who were able to watch more of the ATP Cup because of the time zone or whatever or because they struck a TV deal in the US mm. will end up thinking that the ATP yeah. Cup's better mm. Very, yeah. we might Good think point. that the Davis Cup 
meant more because we committed to doing daily podcasts. We, we, you know, we were watching it. I was there. Mm. I was more invested in it. Rather than a kind of global meaning for everyone, you get fragmented meaning, and that, and that that's not what you want. Um, yeah, that is re- yeah. It, every that's time I watch point. one of these team events, I come away thinking these are great yeah uh the the matches are great the doubles is elevated um you get more from the players but wouldn't just imagine if it was a a a fifth slam i can't say any more straightforwardly than that Mm -hmm. imagine if all of them were just pulled fed cup davis cup acb cup labor cup let's create the fifth slam and men and women just imagine it. Oh, I know. It would be amazing. But part of the problem is, I was going through kind of a list of criteria that everyone wants ticking off from these team events, and you can't just get everything in one event, you know, because some people want home and away ties, some people want a, a World Cup style. Most people, I think, want men and women together. We certainly do. But you could have one round of home and away. I I agree. I think. For me, I kind of feel like in my head I solved the issue last night. I was kind of thinking, I was kind of thinking, why don't, don't worry, everybody? Matt sorted it. Why don't we have, you know, Hotman Cup at the start of the year, a mixed team event, in the kind of format of the ATP Cup? So it's played across mm-hmm. the different cities. It's got room to breathe. It is the start of the season. There are ranking points. It's ATP WTA together, and then every other year you've got the Davis Cup's played every other year and the Fed Cup's played every other year and you've got two rounds of home and away and a finals you know I think then you get your team event you get your home and away you get points of difference so there's more meaning yep done sold you know I know know David still wants one event and I I do get that but I, I think we're at a point now where I don't think you can get all these desires into one event there's, there's too many. I think you could. Too much. I think that if you wants. wanted, if you wanted to do it, you could do it. I, I'm going to come up with a blueprint. Okay. Yep. Right. Uh, leave it with me. <laughs> <laughs> um, right. In, um, oh, oh, can I just say on the one thing that really struck me watching the ATP Cup is how sort of emotional all the men were yeah like can we just can put to bed now the, the idea that it is only like on-court coaching i think one of the problems with only having it in the women's game has created this false idea that it's only the women women on the court who are emotional and kind of <laughs> the men I mean, there was serious grounds for disqualification or default for you know a couple At least of events. Two cases. Sitsipas and Medvedev S- could yeah. have gone. I mean, Medvedev. Yeah. I, I, there's pretty wide consensus that had that not been the ATP Cup and brackets the fact that we're entering that into the equation again points to a bunch of other things, but. Um, probably should have been defaulted for, mm. he, he for hit, hit the umpire's consciously chair. Yeah. For, in a very calculated way um, bashing his racket into the and, umpire's chair and Diego Schwartzman who seems like the nicest man in the world called him an idiot to his face like you know yeah. like the umpire no Medvedev yeah. did he yeah it was agro well, fantastic the ATP car oh it absolutely was and occasionally it pushed it pushed the boundary yeah. of what's acceptable but more aggro, better. Perfectly acceptable on Perfect. this show. No, Perfectly just... acceptable, but people need to, ex- you know, when they're talking about the women's game, they need yeah. to think that it's fine then as well. Yeah. Like it's... It, it can't be fine in the men's and a massive yeah. problem in the women's. But it's, it's just also, aggro. It, it, I mean, there's, all, there's the layers of, you know, emotions that are associated with being feminine are instantly associated with fragility, where exactly. there's... Uh, typically what are considered to be typically masculine emotions or the expression, the masculine expression of emotions, i.e. sort of anger and aggression, those are somehow perceived in a in a different way and you've got to think about the lens through which you're perceiving that. Tears are perceived as weakness, whereas sort of an aggressive, angry outburst is yeah. perceived as some sort of show of strength. Well, I think that perception comes from a place of unconscious bias um, yeah it's like the irony of someone pointed out on Twitter the irony of Marit Safin 
making the comments he did back in the day about women being too emotional to to play tennis. Right. You like breaking three rackets per match, Mara. <laughs> you, you you actually broke fifty plus in a year once. Like, um, anyway, it's just different types of emotional expression. His compatriot Andre Rublev, champion in Doha, which I have to say I didn't see a ball of. Uh, it wasn't on Prime Me Video. Neither. Move on quickly. Um, he didn't drop a set. It was a twenty-eight draw. I told you what? Twenty-eight draw. That's like a. That's like a. 32 and then with four oh, buys. Park wow. competition. Um, I told you Rublev's going to have a big year, didn't I? Well, he's off and running. Um, and uh, yeah, that's about it. Before our flight, in which I will not be reclined on by Catherine Whitaker, um, because I refuse to sit behind her. I'll be reclining on someone, though, because <laughs> I think it's, it's fine. As long as they're not six foot a million. Uh, anyway. Uh, I'll try to keep uh, keep composed. Uh, we have some shout-outs to make before we sign off, folks, to our Kickstarter backers, Nicola, uh, Ada Pesh, and Caroline Alcock. Thank you all very much for supporting the Tennis Podcast, which so many of you done. 1,356 people at last uh, look have supported the Tennis Podcast so far this year. We still have five or six days to go if you'd like to uh, to chip in and just do your bit it won't go to waste but we'll we're, we're, we're looking to to make as many of these shows as we possibly can and it all goes into funding the travel and uh, and the beers and the cheese boards and all the rest of it um and uh, we're hugely appreciative but uh, thank you to everybody that's got us to our target we fly to melbourne on wednesday the first of our podcasts will be on friday uh and of course we are brought to you in association with our mascot uh, for the year, which is Butler. Now, Butler is a what sort of dog? Is Butler Hungarian Vizsla? Mm. Look at Catherine's face. And and last year, last last year, last week, you were wondering what tennis player most resembles a Vizsla. But the wonderful owners of Butler, Russell and Brad, have been in touch. Big oh, yeah. fans of Russell and Brad. Now, this is, this is quite long, but it's gold, so I'm going to read it out. Got it. Vistlers are sporting hunting dogs and are extremely athletic with a lot of energy. They're also a very sensitive and emotional breed and are demonstratively affectionate. They tend to always want to be with people, hence the nickname the Velcro Vistler. They oh, cuddle you at night and crawl into your lap during the day. While always lovely, it can be a little neurotic and anxious at times because they become so attached to you. Now, all pro tennis players are elite athletes, of course, but we try to think of those whose games are particularly predicated on their athleticism. This is already the best email we've ever received. (laughs) At the same time, thinking of those who really wear their heart on their sleeves and are or have been at times very emotive but not, evo- not emotive in a kind of aggro-obnoxious way, in a more sensitive, endearing, affectionate, or even anxious way. We came My up daughters. with... Jana Novotna, Sabine Lisicki, Petra Kvitova, Grigor Dimitrov, Pete Sampras, and Andy Murray. We're very interested to hear who Catherine comes up with. Well, I had thought of Dimitrov. Mm. That, very... that was the one that jumped out at me based yeah, on that Yeah, because there's a, the, the neediness described there. <laughs> there's a neediness, a really um, endearing neediness about Dimitrov that's probably also what's holding him back from achieving his full potential, but it's the thing that makes you want to give him a hug rather than say, pull yourself together, Grigor. Um, they're very lean fizzlers. Um, so when I said Bangdatis, our <laughs> <laughs> guest of a few weeks ago. No, well, he said in that interview that he was he put on a lot of muscle, didn't he? He's, beefy. A, he's a beefy, stocky, agricultural what? kind of guy. She's using all the past um, references here. Whereas Vizzlers are really lean and sinewy. Yes. In a sleek sort of way. God, I'm talking myself into an absolute hole. When's that alarm going to go off again? Um, so I, of those, I would say Dimitrov. Just feels very appropriate. Okay. Yeah, very athletic. Tenor, well-groomed. The tennis podcast zone. But Grigor sort of Dimitrov. So by, needy. by association, Grigor Dimitrov is kind of like <laughs> our mascot. This Which year. has been the case for yeah. 
many a year. Yeah. The circle it's has been perfect. completed. Fantastic. Uh, I should say as well, we have a, an Australian Open mascot who oh, is... do we ever. Who is Crumble. There's, there's oh. been a photo shoot, folks. You will not believe the photos Jim Boyle has sent us of Crumble. <laughs> we will be posting them. And uh, we've been just sort of going gaga here in the coffee shop watching them uh, anyway that's all to come um we should also say that a reddit page has been Ooh, set yeah. up by this. listener we've ian got, we've got a we've got a subreddit yeah I, I mean look to be honest with you you're talking double dutch to me i don't really know what reddit and subreddit means but i know that ian our faithful listener has set this up and basically it's a place where you can go and chat to fellow listeners about tennis and stuff like that, correct? Yeah, and even more specifically, the tennis podcast. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's a safe space for nerdy chat. Yeah. So, right, on your show notes, when, we, when you finish listening to this show, which is basically right now, scroll down, you can click and you can sign up to the Reddit page and, and chat to, to fellow tennis podcast listeners. If you do decide, actually, you know what, I think I'll do my bit for the Kickstarter as well, that's still open. Click on that. Chuck in whatever you feels appropriate. Uh, sign up to our newsletter, which will be going out uh, in the next couple of days with weekly predictions. We'll have a daily newsletter as well throughout the Australian Open. And, of course, tell all your friends, all your family, all your mates, all your acquaintances, the doctor, doesn't matter who it is, tell them about the tennis podcast. Maybe they will like to listen to this nonsense as well. And we will be coming to you every single day from Friday in Melbourne because we are on our way down under. 